We continue our sermon series on Jesus' vision for a happy new year by looking at the Beatitudes. So today we read from Matthew chapter 4, beginning at verse 23. Listen for the unconventional wisdom from the Beatitudes. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all the sick, those who were afflicted with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he cured them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and then he began to speak, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. May God bless this reading to our understanding. For a while, I thought she might just be too timid, or maybe she was just too overly nice. She was always yielding to the car up ahead of us, waving them ahead before she went through the intersection. Even if she had the right-of-way, my niece would pause to let the pedestrian cross the street before she accelerated. We were guests of my niece and nephew in Hawaii for several days, but after that we left and went out on our own in Hawaii, and so we were then in different cabs and Ubers, and finally I realized all of the drivers in Hawaii drive just like my niece. They are so polite. They're always yielding to the other person, yielding to the other car, making way for another car to scoot into their lane, and they never, ever honk the horn unless, of course, it's an absolute emergency. I don't know why. Maybe it's because they're the 50th state and they haven't caught on to our ways. Or maybe it's because of that island culture where they're just so laid back. But driving in Hawaii is nothing like driving in Los Angeles, or New York City, or Chicago, or even Kansas City, where we all know that drivers hastily pull in front of other cars, and that if you cut in too close, you're likely to get a fist or something shaken at you because you were too close to them. Today's beatitude is, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. But meekness is not seen as an admirable trait in our society. If you are meek and you drive through Meyer Circle meekly, or if you are so meek when you pull out onto 435, you just might land in the emergency room this afternoon. I would venture to guess that when we made our New Year's resolutions, not one of us wrote down, try to be more meek. When I describe someone as meek, I often use the word too in front of it, as in, she's too meek. She needs to speak up. In American culture, we associate meekness with timidity and weakness. We might even say, oh, he's such a good guy. He's actually brilliant, but he'll never make it as the CEO because he's too meek. He isn't assertive enough. And sometimes we say to our kids, now, don't be shy. 
come on, look her in the eye, speak up. We don't want our kids to be intimidated. And so why is it that Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth? In her book on the Beatitudes, Rebecca Eklund points out that the word in Greek, praise, really has no equivalent in English. In fact, this word meek never shows up in an English translation of the Bible until the mid-1500s. The word meek, as it is recorded in our Bible, is translated in other places in our Bible as gentle or humble. And Eklund argues convincingly that only recently, only in the modern era, has meekness been equated with weakness. For example, in the writings of Plato, meekness is a quality of powerful leaders. For Aristotle, meekness is that virtue that strikes the balance between being bad-tempered and being spineless. It's that place in between. It's that middle ground between being absolutely angry at everything and never angry at anything. Aristotle said that meekness describes a person who is angry for the right reasons, in the right way, and for the right length of time. And so when Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth, he surely knew those words from the temple prayer book. He heard them when he gathered as a teenager with others in the temple, and he heard Psalm 36 that said, the meek will inherit the earth. And in that same psalm, it talks about the meek as those who refrain from anger and forsake wrath. And Jesus, of course, knew one of the great heroes of the faith named Moses, that one who stood up to the Pharaoh and parted the Red Sea and led the people out of slavery and bondage and into the promised land and into freedom. And yet all those bold actions of Moses and the scriptures describe Moses as meek. And Jesus describes himself as meek. And we see the meekness of Jesus as he stands before Pilate at the trial and the crowds shout, crucify him. And they ask him, what, what do you have to say for yourself? And he says nothing. Eklund says that meekness does not refer to those who never get angry, but rather to those who don't lose their temper. The meek are not the weak, they are the self-controlled. They are not those who shrink back, but those who willingly choose to yield back to the traffic patterns. We might paraphrase the beatitude more accurately as, blessed are those who yield. I remember many years ago when our congregation was first beginning its marriage ministry program called Great Start. And part of that program was a class called Couple Communication. And in the class, we would put two canvas mats on the floor and ask the, the newlywed couple to stand on the mats. One would stand on the talking mat and the other would stand on the listening mat. And they would go back and forth talking through an issue such as, 
should we get a dog or should we move to California or is it time to get a new car? Whatever the issue, they stood on the talking mat and the listening mat and went back and forth discussing this conversation. But there was this one couple that took the class. They were in another city and the wife was always frustrated because her husband never listened. And the husband was always frustrated because the wife talked too much. She never stopped talking. And so when the two of them got on the mats, she was absolutely giddy because he was finally listening. He was on the listening mat. And he was ecstatic. He was jumping up and down because he could see how this process was going. And he could see that she was going to have to stop talking so that they could flip and talk on the other mats. But the truth is, you see, both of them were learning the art of yielding, yielding to one another. That's what meekness is, to truly listen and to engage in deep dialogue, opening up, taking turns, caring about those that we love by yielding. One time I had to go to a very tension-filled filled meeting of an organization that I was a part of. For some time, anger had built up between the members of this group. Falsehoods had been spoken, feelings had been bruised, and in preparation for the meeting, I was so anxious that I wrote out what I planned to say. I, I shared my remarks with a friend prior to the meeting, and I said, what do you think? And he said, you can't say that. And I said, why not? And he said, it's too harsh. You have to tone it down. And so I rewrote it, and I carried it into the meeting, and I sat all the way through the meeting near the back, and, and I never spoke. I never even pulled my remarks out, and it was the best decision I ever made. For once, I yielded. I let the dialogue take place. I listened, and I trusted. My friend Rob is, was the president of a Fortune 500 company. He retired in his early 50s, and he was so successful financially that he can now afford to do anything he wants, to buy anything he wants. But if you go with my friend Rob on a walk at the lake, you will find him each Saturday morning out picking up beer cans and spent firecrackers and McDonald's sack. He goes out with a trash sack, and he, this hard-charging CEO, is out there leaning over, humbly picking up the trash, stooping down in a meek posture to care for the beauty of creation. He has a deep reverence for the earth, and so even though I picture him as kind of this hard-charging CEO, I can see that he's meek, compassionate. It's deep inside his soul. Not long ago, I listened to that podcast about Hank Aaron, who broke Babe Ruth's record of home runs back in 1974. The person who was giving the podcast had been a great admirer of how Hank Aaron persevered personally through that chapter. He said that Hank was such a role model for him in the world of baseball because during this period, Hank Aaron got so much hate mail from people who did not want him to break Babe Ruth's record. 
Hank said that for him, it was a very difficult chapter. It should have been the happiest time of his life as he chased to break that record, but it turned out to be one of the worst times of his life. All the time, he was exhausted, tired, angry, and he continued to maintain his composure and his dignity. The author called him a man of quiet grace. And when George Bush honored Hank Aaron with the Presidential Medal of Freedom, he recalled that when Hank Aaron would step out onto the baseball field, he would feel the hand of God upon his shoulder. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I wonder, deep down, how many of us might actually wish that we could resolve this year to become more meek, to refrain from a destructive use of our anger, to gently and gracefully yield. But you know, this might be one of the most difficult resolutions of all. It might actually be easier to take off 10 pounds or to run a marathon. How do we develop this character of meekness, which is actually a kind of power? The power to hold the tongue, the power to listen, the power to behave with gentleness, the power to resist the pressure of materialism and violence, the power to care for God's good creation. How do we learn to yield our ground in a society that prizes standing our ground? Sometimes, those of us who have so much benefit from observing someone who has had so little to see how that person practices meekness as a form of liberating power. One person that comes to mind is Sarah Osborne. Now, I had never heard of Sarah Osborne until I read a book a few years ago by Dr. Florence, who was our guest preacher in November during our centennial. Dr. Florence introduced me to this woman named Sarah Osborne, who was born in London in 1724 and immigrated to the United States when she was eight years old. She and her family settled in Newport, Rhode Island, and though they never starved, they also never entered Newport's elite, fashionable section. At age 19, Sarah found herself a widowed single mother. She did remarry, but her husband's business failed, and he became bedridden for the rest of their married life. And so Sarah had to eke out a living as a schoolteacher, raising the children, barely subsisting above the poverty line. Sarah was a deeply spiritual woman. Every morning she got up very early and sat for two hours praying and writing, writing Bible studies, writing prayers, writing spiritual reflections. She became the backbone of her church, and her reputation was well known in Newport. And one day some slaves came to her and asked if she would teach them the scriptures, teach them how to read so that they too could study the Bible. And they couldn't find a place for such a meeting, and so she said, come to my home on Sunday night, and we will read the Bible, we will learn how to read scripture together, and we will pray together. Well, the enthusiasm for these meetings at Sarah's house 
just blossomed like wildflower. It was, it was contagious. Not only did the slaves want to come, but the freed blacks wanted to come. The white men wanted to come. The women wanted to come. The teenagers wanted to come. And suddenly she had 500 people who wanted to come and hear her teach the scriptures and lead prayers. And so she had to set up different shifts throughout the various days of the week some groups in the morning, some groups in the afternoon, so that all 500 people could learn about the scripture. Well, this was a controversy. One of the preachers in town thought that it was inappropriate for a woman to be doing this, for a white person to be teaching the black people. And so he sent her a letter, and he said, you should stay to women's work, and you should let one of the preachers do this work of teaching the scriptures. And she wrote back, and she said, I don't care for needlework, and I have approached all the preachers in town, and none of them want to do this work. You see, for her, meekness was unavoidable. And yet, for her, meekness became a unique power. For though she was unconventional, she was devoted to living out the life that she believed God called her to live. And I love this line in the book where she is described as this, poor, but not powerless, traditional, but not docile, radical, but not beyond responsibility. Because it captures for me that what made her meek is that she yielded to God. She depended on God. She yielded her whole life to God. And so the question for us is, do we have the strength to yield our lives to God?